everyone. We wanted to tell you about a new show we are loving, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. It's a show about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds you. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? Is Paw Patrol copaganda or is it not that deep? And what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter, the Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. You know, they tried to submit me for an image award for Shrill and I wouldn't <laughs> let them. I was like, if you don't submit me for the white people awards, do not submit me for the black people awards. Now we're cooking. That is so true. Wow. It's Sam Irby. It's Sam Irby, baby. Text me back. Text me back. Text me back at once. Why won't you text me back? Text. Text me back. Text me back, back. Megan. Welcome to Text Me Back, a comedy and opinion podcast from KUOW about two best friends, all the best animals, and a few of the stinkiest, worst people that I hate. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher Mays. Today, coming up on the most illustrious podcast in the history of media, we will be talking about the following. We sent out an ask to the Text Me Backalites. They have responded. We asked, what have been your run-ins with the killer? And we got some of the spookiest freaking responses to that text I have ever seen in my life. I am scared to be alone because of the listeners of the show. And we are going to share them with all of you. And special surprise guest, best-selling author, queen of my heart, American treasure, Samantha Irby, tells us how she got the killer onto an episode of Ed Just Like That the Sex and the City reboot, and she's going to play our favorite middle school fortune-telling game with us. But before we do all that, of course, Lindy and I are going to be debuting a brand new segment that we are calling Two Minutes Hate, which is rooted in the grand tradition of I Don't Think So Honey by Las Culturistas. Lindy and I, if we're anything, very lazy. Okay, okay, but it's also rooted in great literature, so we've stolen it in two directions, because <laughs> it's also a thing from 1984, the novel that I have read. This version of Two Minutes Hate will feature Lindy and myself absolutely venting about something that we hate while yeah. being timed by the other for two minutes. And then the other bestie gets 30 seconds to respond because this is a very serious yes. debate yes. program. Yes, because here's the thing. We like to keep this podcast bright and rosy, but we do have hate in our hearts. And so sometimes it's we important for that hate to get out. Mm -hmm. And so we're just going to sort of squash it into the two mins and then we can get back to joy and sunshine, which is what you all come here for. Lindy, I'm going to kick us off. May I have two minutes on the clock, please? You got it, bud. Stopwatch. Okay. Ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. On your mark. Get set. Hate. Lindy, my two minutes hate is about Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, who serves as the chair of the very powerful Senate Judiciary Committee, a committee that has, by the way, jurisdiction over ne'er-do-well Supreme Court justices, among other things, which I don't know. 
seems kind of important given everything we've learned about the conservative justices like Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito and their respective pensions for receiving gifts from Republican billionaires. Did you know that the Senate Judiciary Committee has the power to hold these people accountable, both the justices and their benefactors? If you didn't, you're in good company because I don't think Chairman Dick Durbin knows it either. So back in 2023, this committee was stymied, or at least pretended to be stymied, for months. They couldn't take a vote on subpoenas for these corrupt Cathy's because committee member Diane Feinstein, who was like 857 years old at the time, was MIA from the Senate with freaking shingles. And because her absence meant that there was no majority in the committee, that meant Democrats could not win a vote on subpoenas without Republican support. And Republicans don't want to hold the Supreme Court accountable because they love the status quo. Anyway, finally, in November 2023, after Feinstein was replaced and the Democrats majority was restored and like a year of investigative reporting on SCOTUS justices, straight up Scrooge McDucking into $18,000 bottles of wine paid for by MAGA weirdos with business pending in front of the court, the committee finally finally authorized subpoenas for some of the guys who are underwriting this, but then Durbin never actually issued them. Richard, do you need a stamp? Do you not know where the Senate post office is? Get on your little underground Senate train to the subpoena issuing place and drag these maniacs in front of the committee. And if you do this, I will record a two minutes love just for you, Senator Durbin. You have six more seconds at the end. <laughs> wow, I am dizzy. <laughs> My poor nerves. Lindy's poor nerves. Now, Lindy, you have 30 seconds for a rebuttal. Are you yeah. ready? And sure. go. Yeah, so rebuttal, rebuttal. I don't know who that is or what. Uh, committee is so but I think that maybe he is busy and he has other stuff on his mind and he probably has kids and maybe he is driving them <laughs> to school and maybe he doesn't know where the post office is maybe he needs some accessibility uh, accommodations so that he can someone can help him find the post office yeah that your and 30 seconds is up blessedly <laughs> I was trying all right Lindy your two minutes hate let me get two minutes on the stopwatch. She's going to rock your socks off. I'm ready for my socks to get rocked all the way off. Lindy, are you ready? In three. Mine's more important than yours. Okay, big words. All right, in three, two, one. Not every frosting has to be cream cheese based. Cream cheese frosting is fine. It has its place. I don't love it. I don't like cheesecake. So why would I take little bits of cheesecake and smear it on my cake? I like buttercream. Why can't we have buttercream sometimes? Why is it so freaking fashionable to only have cream cheese? Cream cheese, cream cheese, cream cheese. And then people act like they're better than you. If you like buttercream, they act like they're more adult. They're like, cream cheese frosting has more integrity. Cream cheese frosting is a little bit sour. Cream cheese frosting, like as though they're not eating frosting. Cream cheese is cloying. It's sticky. It tastes like a bagel. I don't want bagel cake. I want cake that is buttercreamed. I want buttercream. I want it to be sweet butter on my cake. Okay, so oh, I baked a cake. Okay, I baked a cake yesterday. Uh, I'm home alone for a week. It's a good time to bake an entire cake. I ate one piece of it. I'm already sick of it. However, the recipe called for cream cheese frosting, and I said no. <laughs> and I did it by cream cheese. I did not, I, and I, and that's hard for me because I'm a rule follower. I don't, I'm lawful good. I'd like to follow the rules, but I was like, I, you know what? I don't have to do this. I don't have to be oppressed by. 
the tyranny of cream cheese frosting that again i feel like there's this elite liberal urban (laughs) condescension to people who like buttercream and they act like cream cheese frosting and it's you know why it's because they think that carrot cake is a superior cake and that's diet culture because they think carrot cake is the closest cake to a salad and cream cheese goes cream cheese frosting goes on carrot cake and so they think that that makes cream cheese frosting more sophisticated yeah no how about the how about What's delicious? What are we eating cake for? We're eating cake. We're eating cake for vegetables. No, we're not. We're eating cake for a little treat. So anyway, I made buttercream instead, and I put a little sour cream in it because I had sour cream that went in the cake batter, and that made it just a little bit, maybe a little bit sour and yummy and tangy, and it was perfect, and it was stubborn. Two minutes hate. Cease. Cease at once. Wow. Wow. I am in a tizzy. I am in a tizzy. I feel like I have my marching orders. I don't know. I don't know. I, f- I feel that did something to me. No rebuttal? That's what I thought. No, put the time on. Give me my 30 seconds. Okay. I'm, I'm very curious to see what, what you're gonna, how you're going to rebut this. Okay, let's go. Ready? And rebut. Cream cheese frosting is great on everything, not just carrot cake. And literally no one in the history of cake has ever been like, carrot cake is my favorite. That's deranged, bro. I cite your sources. Source for this claim. That's wild. Buttercream is disgusting. Buttercream is butter and cream mixed all up into a frosting. Who invented that? Probably whoever was burying Polish children as vampires was the same guy who invented buttercream frosting because it isn't good. It's a conspiracy and it's nasty. Delicious. Dang. Excuse me, ma'am. Your time is up. (laughs) Uh, Moderator, can I get three seconds back because she went three seconds over? Yes. You have three seconds to rebut my rebuttal. Buttercream is good. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that was Two Minutes Hate. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to weigh in with the things that you hate, text BFF to 206-926-9955. And maybe we'll talk about the things that you hate on this show. We're not above taking requests if there's something you want us to destroy. Coming up, your stories about close calls with the killer. Clonk. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you KUOW listeners want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast. Are you ready to hear bone-chilling tales of the killer from our Text Me Back listeners, Megan? I'm not ready. I'm so scared. They're so scary. I know. We got so many scary stories about the killer from our listeners. And we're going to read a few here right now. We're going to share even more on our Instagram, which is at TextMeBackPod. But yeah, we got a full spectrum of tales of the killer. Mm -hmm. All the different flavors of the killer. Do you know what the four flavors of the killer are, Megan? I of course I do because I've been aware of the killer <laughs> since birth. The killer probably has a multitude of flavors that have yet to be uncovered. That's true. We are going to be highlighting the four flavors of the killer. One, 
the killer that tries to get in your car, two, the killer that tries to get you in your house, three, the killer that tries to get you when you're out hiking, which is the most nefarious killer I find, and four, the killer that tries to get you at work. Ah, A rare killer, but a killer nonetheless. Let's jump in with both feet. Okay, killer story number one. This person says, I have a quintessential Seattle killer story, which is that during the very early 2000s, meaning 2003 and earlier, so Megan and I were definitely around, we may have encountered this killer ourselves, there was a man who would hang around Capitol Hill. He would walk up to your car while you were stopped at a red light, and he would knock on the driver's window and say that his car broke down. This probably happened to me and my friends about 30 times on different days and locations, Boy, that dude had a lot of car trouble. We were deathly afraid of this person, and we named him The Guy. He was a very scary, likely deranged individual who was definitely trying to get our young adult asses to a secondary location. One day, my sister and I were sitting in the backseat of our parents' car. We explained, there's this guy, and we call him The Guy, and he knocks on our window and tries to get us to help him out. And my dad, who has never heard of being cautious, said to us, don't call him the guy, ask him his name. And my mom, who is afraid of most things, literally lost her mind at my kooky dad. Your dad jail. We talked about the first time we talked about the killer, we talked about this men completely unfazed. Yep. When it comes to matters of the killer, they don't care. They are so excited to make a new friend. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Like, oh, just ask him his name. Yeah, his name is Stephen Q. Killer. Okay. Now you know. His name is Theodore Killer. That one's so scary because you're right. We were like out and about on Capitol Hill right around that time. And I don't have a recollection of being confronted by this by this killer. But I don't know if you do. I mean, that was an era when um, every time you went to the gas station, someone would be like, I'm out of gas. Can I have 35 cents? Yeah. Um, But that's just like poverty and desperation. Yeah. I I feel like the trying to get you to pull over and get out of your car to go help him with mysterious car trouble. That's the killer. That's killer behavior. Thank you for the story. (laughs) I will not be sleeping tonight. Next. Okay. What's next from the killer, Megan? Now this killer is of the house variety. This is a house, a common house killer. (laughs) Did you know that the common house killer actually carries its babies on its back? (laughs) Thousands of writhing babies. Stop. You think that the killer would lay an egg sack, but the house killer. I don't like carries. I don't like you. And I don't like doing this show with you. It's not fun. (laughs) All right. So this person wrote it. This one shivered me whole timbers okay okay she says my first thought was i'm not often bothered by the killer that said the short time i lived in vallejo california was scary one morning when i was home alone with my infant son i heard a noise out front so i looked out the window and saw a whole squad of cops with shotguns standing there staring at my house one came to the door when they saw me and said they were on the hunt for an armed suspect who'd assaulted and robbed people at a nearby home and they wanted to check my backyard. <sighs> they found shoe prints and part of my back fence knocked over like it had collapsed when someone climbed it. While I kept the doors locked always, my backyard door was very old and mostly thin glass that would shatter easily. And I never felt safe from the killer in that house after that. It was over 10 years ago and I still shower with the bathroom door locked just in case the killer gets in the house when I can't hear them. That's correct. That's what you should do. Okay. What I love about this <laughs> encounter with the killer is how they opened it by being like, yeah, 
I don't really have any stories about the killer. And then <laughs> they tell the scariest story of the killer that I have ever heard in my life. And then my second thought is, I don't know if anyone has, else besides me has watched American Nightmare on Netflix, but I just watched it last night. Also takes place in Vallejo, California. Mm-hmm. And some similarities to this story. So I am wondering if maybe Detective Matt Mustard needs to reach out to this lady. Not that he was ever any freaking help. But I'm just saying uh, an eerie parallel in Vallejo, California with the killer. I don't like it. Thank you for this horrifying tale. And again, one I open for the rest of my life. I also uh, (laughs) am afraid of the killer when I'm taking a shower because for this exact reason, Mm -hmm. you can't hear. I like to constantly keep an ear on what's going on in the house. Mm -hmm. And so when when I'm home alone, like I am right now um, for a week, uh, I, I notice that I like I'm gross because I avoid showering because I'm afraid of the killer. (laughs) The flimsy flimsy bathroom door lock is not going to keep the killer out. Just yesterday, I was like, God, why do I feel so disgusting? And I was like, yeah, because I've been afraid the white noise of the shower is going to obscure the killer. The killer's number one victim, Lindy's hygiene. It's so true. (laughs) Lindy. The killer and I are, are accomplices on that. I, uh, I, ate, I ate and abet the killer. Lindy, our next tale of horror. This one is personal to me and I'm upset. Okay, this says, I mm-hmm. was hiking up Tiger Mountain late in the day all by myself. Now I also hike solo. This is our reader says, I'm hiking up Tiger Mountain late in the day all by myself. I round a corner and see a guy just casually leaning against a tree with his hands in his pockets in the middle of nowhere. He's not dressed for hiking. He's in a hoodie, jeans, white sneakers. As I approach, he asks me if I know when they lock the gates at the High Point trailhead down below. Me, being a helpful trail ambassador sort, start to answer, and then I notice he is ever so slowly, as if to keep me from noticing, taking his hands out of his pockets. It was the creepiest movement I've ever seen. All the hair on my body stands up, and I run past him while shouting over my shoulder, I don't know. Even though in my mind, I'm being defensive, I couldn't shake my nice girl training long enough to not give him an answer at all. I huff it up, Tiger, all the while freaked that I'm going to have to come back down the same trail. It's getting dark, and I'm worried I'll get lost if I take another route. I text my loved ones where I am before heading back down. Sure enough, he's still there, now leaning against a different tree. I am running down at this point, so I think I will pass him so fast he won't try anything, but I am petrified. And just then, Lindy and Megan, I'm saved because there's another male hiker coming up the trail at this late hour. I will not die today, I think. I make eye contact with the leaning man as I pass, and he gives me a frustrated look that says, you got lucky this time, bitch. Let me tell you, I flew down that mountain. First of all, no thanks. I don't like it at all. Second of all, the male hiker is probably like, ooh, a new friend. What's your name? My name's Robert. Where are you going? That guy and the killer are playing Call of Duty right now in that guy's basement. I am so glad this text me back like out of that situation because that is so scary. And I feel like it's so hard to describe that feeling of when you know something is off and you're like, danger, danger. I'm so glad. And the nice girl training. It's so true. The killer loves to take advantage of the nice girl training. Well, this just happened wow. to me. I went on a hike day before yesterday, and it's the middle of w- it's the middle of winter. Before we moved out to the country, I hiked mostly in the Cascades, which are very heavily trafficked. And now I hike mostly in the Olympics, which are very remote and empty, Oof. especially in the winter. It is soggy. It's raining. I will often get to a hike, and there will be one car at the trailhead, and Oof. it's just me and Barry. But just day before yesterday, Barry and I went on a hike, and I get there, and there's this car in the parking lot that's sort of 
drifting slowly around and it goes past me and there's a you know just kind of like a weird older white guy and the car is like kind of hoarded out like it's like crammed with stuff and then there's like a Mm. a dog um hanging out the window i'm a nice girl and so i i smiled at the dog and i waved to the man because also like i'm not gonna profile someone with a hoarded out car like that's fine (laughs) then he like circled back around and then Mm. was sort of like driving slowly behind me while i was walking to the trailhead and there's multiple trails that leave from here so i was like taking um evasive action so that he wouldn't Mm. see which trailhead I went to but then he like circled around and he saw me right when I was going up to Uh. the trailheads and then I was like I was like that's the killer and then I had to do this like four mile solo hike because I was like well I drove an hour to get here I'm not gonna not exercise (laughs) the dog but I was absolutely texting Megan the entire time that's right uh I shared my location I was like (laughs) I, I might be being stalked by the killer and then of course the the man did absolutely did not come up the trail behind me he was just a guy who now i have falsely accused of being the killer and i feel a little bit bad about that you don't know that i feel i don't know that it's true it's true it's true it's true it's true true, true, well the good news is that he might not be stalking you but now i get to because you shared your location and i can just watch your little dot i love it i'm obsessed it's so fun it's so fun okay that was really scary but can we finish on one that i think is both scary deeply accurate and also hilarious. Yes, please. (laughs) This is the work killer. Uh, This text me back light wrote in and said, I have an unreasonably nice engineer I work with who maintains the most meticulous records you have ever seen, looks 20 years younger than his actual age, has dead eyes and cannot be riled. He absolutely has a storage unit full to the brim with human remains and some kind of spreadsheet with details for every last one. Okay, the last part is not funny per se, but it is so funny to me and so true that if somebody keeps meticulous records, they are the killer. End of story. (laughs) This person needs to write a book on the killer. This person needs to do a TED Talk on identifying the killer because it's elegant, the nuance of this. um, I know, I love it. I love it so much. Diagnostic. (laughs) By the way, if you're like, oh, but I keep meticulous records and I'm not the killer, the best way to get the scent off you, be messier. I don't know. Stop keeping records and then I will stop profiling you. Sorry. Uh, Nobody's less the killer than me because my house sucks. (laughs) Coming up, we use a time-tested, foolproof fortune-telling method to predict beloved writer Samantha Irby's future. That's right. We're playing M.A.S.H. One of the best things about making Text Me Back is hearing tidings from you, our beloved baby Text Me back And the easiest way to share your tidings with us is to join our text club. You just text BFF to 206-926-9955. That's 206-926-9955. Text club members also get specific questions and prompts from us to include in upcoming episodes. And it's a great way to tell us what you think of the show and what you'd like to talk to us about because we read every single text we get. No joke. It's true. It's absolutely true. So if you're not a member, stop messing around. Text BFF to 206-926-9955. We're waiting. This podcast is free and it's accessible to everyone thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, 
please consider supporting its production by donating to our home, KUOW. It only takes a minute to give, and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks! Yes. It's a historic moment. It is. I went on my Instagram and I said, who do you guys want to have as a guest on Text Me Back? And by a landslide, like maybe I got 100 responses, 99 of them were the same. The winner was this beloved person. She's a best-selling author. She wrote on the Hulu television comedy show shrill with me uh and now she's writing on the ridiculously popular sex in the city reboot and just like that it's the people's princess samantha irby thank you this is truly the honor of my life hello text me back a lights <laughs> dude okay sam has done so many things she's written four books i've read them all because i'm a super fan she writes a newsletter about the show and person judge mathis which is hilarious and we will be sure to include all of that stuff in our show notes for this episode so you can get as much sam irby as possible although the limit does not exist Beautiful queen, Samantha Irby, we have much, much, much to discuss, many games to play, but really, so we I think we need to address uh, the elephant in the room, the Caucasian, goofy-footed, acoustic guitar-playing elephant in the room. <laughs> um, as we have established on this podcast, I find Dave Matthews to be deeply embarrassing. It is also true that I used to be a huge fan, and that I evolved uh, into humiliation over it over the course of time. You are a well-known lover <laughs> of Dave. I am. Let's have it out. Okay, first of all, I do not want to laugh at Goofy Footed, but that is maybe the most accurate description of him I've ever heard. Here's the thing. His voice is so beautiful. Mm. Oh, when you come crash. And I think what embarrasses you is not the solo listening experience, right? Like, it's not the sitting alone with your headphones listening to him crooning. It's the dad's dancing Mm -hmm. outdoors to his music, which also embarrasses me. But I have learned... To separate myself (laughs) from those dads. And I guess I am that dad. I'm about to be 44. Like, no, I'm that dad. But I have only ever listened to his music while sitting down. So, Mm. or lying down. Yeah. (laughs) So, and never while like gyrating or wearing like (laughs) a life is good shirt. So... What about a jester's cap with little bells? (laughs) Okay, I would wear one because I love a bit, but no. Well, speaking of Sam Irby killing Dave Matthews. I would never. We've been spending this episode talking a little bit about the killer. You, of course, know about the killer. Wendy Williams has put a name to the nameless, faceless uh, creeper that we all have known about since birth. Yes. Um, I understand that you have 
a run-in with a killer that you would like to share? I do. Okay, so this is an old story from before my brain was <laughs> the fully formed nightmare it is today. So in high school, <laughs> I used to babysit. I grew up in Evanston, which is a suburb just north of Chicago, and there were lots of rich people to babysit for when I was in high school. And so every day after school, they called me a nanny, but I was just there from like 3.30 to 6.30. He was, his name was Tommy. He was like, he was still in diapers when... I started and like I loved the family. It was just this husband and wife. They were both so cool. They're both like very businessy and like not the kind of people who were like, make sure you read to him and make sure he's learning. They were just like, please just sit in our house and watch television until we get home from work. And I was like, can do so like the first couple of days were great like the third day i get there after school thomas is upstairs asleep in his <laughs> crib the daytime nanny her name was Teresa. i get there Teresa's like see ya i'm out i go sit down i'm eating some chips i'm watching arthur <laughs> <laughs> Even though the kid wasn't awake. And I hear from the basement this like grinding sound. And it's like, ah, ah. and I was like, okay, someone is down there sharpening some sort of blade. I, I don't know like what killers use to chop up fat nerdy girls who are supposed to be babysitting but there is someone downstairs grinding i don't do anything at first and then it continues and it's like ah, ah. tommy starts crying upstairs and i'm like okay good baby's up let me go get him i go upstairs and now this is like a huge empty rich people house you could hear like echoes everywhere in all of these rooms that i'm not checking i go up tommy's in his crib i change him and then i can hear from in the basement all the way on the second floor this insane grinding i carry him downstairs we're sitting on the couch the grinding stops for a bit and i'm like okay we're safe. The killer has gone on to another house. <laughs> 10 minutes later, it starts up again. Just like grind, grind, grind. So I open the door. I got the baby on one hip. I kind of peek downstairs and I'm like, hello. <laughs> and all I hear in response is just the grind, like, and I'm like, nope. I slam the door. I take Thomas, I run upstairs. Now you have to remember, this is like 1996. This is pre-cell phone. Mm. Their house phone is in the kitchen. The kitchen was too far from the living room for me to feel safe going over there with the grinding. Also, I didn't know who I would call anyway. It's not like I'm going to call the police. So <laughs> I take the baby we go upstairs. And then a little bit later, I hear a huge bang and the grinding gets even louder. 
And I'm like, okay, uh, Tommy, I did not know I was going to die with you. Like, <laughs> I'd much rather be like dying with Matt Dillon or, you know, someone it was like legal for me to make out with. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, you're dying at one year old. So I'm sitting there, my back against the wall, holding this kid. I fall asleep with the kid <laughs> pressed against his bedroom door. A few, I don't even know how many hours later, I hear Peter, that's a dad's name. I hear him downstairs and he's like, hello, Samantha, hello. <laughs> I didn't move. You know, like my brain is like, uh, every horror movie trope i'm like did i really hear the door open i've like whipped myself into a frenzy although i wasn't so frenzied that i couldn't fall asleep <laughs> Peter comes upstairs he knocks on the door i open it a crack and i was like there's something in the basement and he was like what and I was like, we're hiding up here because I kept hearing something in the basement. And now this dude, he's so lovable. He's so nice. He bursts out laughing. And he's like, there's no one in the basement. He goes into the basement. I stand at the top of the stairs holding the kid. I'm looking down. And he starts laughing even harder. He comes upstairs and he is holding a gigantic pager that had been sitting on top of the washing machine and when it and the bang i heard it vibrated itself across the washing machine onto the floor where it was vibrating on this horrible cement floor i spent 3 hours on a one-year-old's bedroom floor <laughs> because his pager that he'd forgotten at home oh my God. was vibrating on top of the washing machine. <sighs> Peter was the killer all along. He was! <laughs> That's a hostile work environment. Also, we don't know who was paging Peter. Could have been the killer. It could have been! I remember when Scream came out I immediately flashed back and I was like, see, they do, they use phones to get you. That's how they get you. <laughs> Especially in the 90s, that's how they got you. Right? Uh, Thank you for that terrifying tale of the killer. You're welcome. I know very well that you are a national expert on the killer <laughs> because you, I understand, are responsible with one of the top depictions of the killer in popular culture <laughs> of the last few years, which is... I think you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Chucky in the subway on and just like that. Was that you? Did you put Chucky on the subway? Did you have to fight for it? Was that was that your idea? That is my fault. Chucky <laughs> <laughs> being on him just like that. So we were in the writer's room and this was season one. And everyone on the show is such a New York fan person. They love New York City. They consider her the 
fifth member of the ensemble and i notoriously hate new york it's dirty <laughs> everyone is mean you have to pay twenty dollars for a budweiser it is the worst city on earth so one day i saw this video of a person in a chucky costume on the subway attacking people for not wearing covid masks i died i came back to life <laughs> and i sent it to everyone in the writer's room and i was like this is your precious city this is the city you love so much so i sent it just to be a bitch so this is the city that you want to have sex with <laughs> So the next day we we were doing the writer's room over Zoom. Thank God, because if I'd had to go to New York, I would not have had that job. So we're doing the room over Zoom and Michael Patrick King, our boss, um, the icon was like, so you want to put Chucky in the show? And I was like don't tease me you know because like all my <laughs> ideas i will just say the wildest shit and he'll be like uh okay but that i was like where he's no he's not for real and he's like yeah let's put it in the show i think that's hilarious so we wrote the scene they sent me a picture from the set with a woman in a chucky costume <laughs> and I had to lie down on the floor. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't believe it. And then I did not get to see like the rough cuts of the show. Like I just watched it with everybody else. And when Chucky popped up in that episode and Miranda hit him with a textbook, I was like, oh, I don't need to do anything else in my life. This is enough. <laughs> This is it. Samantha Irby legacy confirmed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Secured. That was it. Uh, well, thanks for contributing that to the culture. Yeah, I thank really, you. You're welcome. It's really special. I feel like every time I see on the internet, somebody's like, fire those writers. They are talking about me specifically because... I am the source of, like, everything you hate in that show. No. <laughs> Whatever. No, seriously. You're like, oh, oh, my God, we're seeing Carrie on the toilet. That's me. If they're, <laughs> if they're watching the show, they love it. No, so, that is real. Lying. That is yeah. real. That's real. Well, speaking of where and how to live. <laughs> Incredible and segue. We're here to tell your fortune with a little game that every girl knows called mash have you played mash before sam yes i have i did have a childhood <laughs> contrary to popular belief so mash is a fortune telling game where your best gal pals help you discover who is going to be your husband where you're going to live what kind of a house you're going to oh have etc and so usually what happens is i think usually your friends fill it out for you and maybe you get a little bit of input and then mm -hmm. using a special spell magic spell that i'm going to be doing <laughs> then we do the math and we figure out all the details of what's to come for you i can't wait okay so megan and i have filled out three entries for each category and you get to fill in the fourth you do get a tiny bit of autonomy here okay but a little only bit. a little 
only like almost almost none a supreme court (laughs) amount of autonomy which is basically none (laughs) so of course the first category in mash is mash which is an acronym for mansion apartment shack house (laughs) it's a little bit classist but that's okay we (laughs) do things with a critical eye so as long as we acknowledge it it's fine (laughs) so uh that one you don't get a choice in but category two Who's your boyfriend? Megan and I have, we didn't, this was not uh, intended to torture you. In fact, we gave you three little sexy treats that I know you would be happy to marry. Your first three boyfriend options. We got mustachioed Easter egg, Dr. Phil. His shining dome. Easter egg, you idiot. We got, speaking of chrome domes, we got the legend Charles S. Dutton. (laughs) Rock himself. From the hit 90s television program, Rock. I know very well that Dr. Phil and Rock, that's sort of your two types, I would say. Yes. (laughs) From being your friend. Yeah. And then third... We gotta give we gotta give a little love to Dave Matthews. Yeah. So yes. Um, who is your fourth boyfriend option? My fourth boyfriend option. Um, you know what? I'm gonna keep with the theme and say Steve Harvey. Oh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay. The next category: How many kids will you have? We have selected for you, Sam, forty-seven kids no kids but 18 chihuahuas which i'm that's what i would be rooting for if it were me Mm -hmm. uh one child but they never move out and your fourth choice sam 22 cats nice nice 22 three-legged cats (laughs) so that i look like a good person for rescuing them and not a crazy person for having 22 cats Wait, 22, all the cats are three-legged? Yes. Do you have a problem with that? Nope, just wanted to make sure I got the data correct. We got 22 cats, but only 66 legs. (laughs) Okay, up next, what's your job going to be? Are you a garbage man, a Supreme Court justice, a sexy nurse, or a fourth thing that you pick? A person who lies down all day. Great. Megan? Uh, How do you die? On the toilet, maybe a little on the nose. Uh, a a segue off the side of a cliff, murked by the killer, or number four, choking on um, something that I would be proud to have choked on. Oh, <laughs> Chicago dog. A Chicago dog, a hundred percent. Okay, so who are you gonna kill? You have to kill one of these four people. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Doesn't matter who it is. Okay, who are you going to kill? Oprah, Ben Affleck, Jeff Probst, or a fourth one? Oh my God, those are so mean. Okay, God, I never killed Jeff Probst. You know I love Survivor. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Okay, I'm going to choose someone beloved to me, Anita Baker. (gasps) Oh Oh my God, I love. Wow. You don't have to play it like that. Like, you don't have to follow our lead. You could give yourself one that you do want to kill and then pray to get that one. Just so you know. 
Let's keep Anita Baker. Megan's face yeah. when I said that was priceless. <laughs> I just love her so much. Okay. Whew. Moving on. I'm That's so, how so I hot. felt hearing Jeff Probst. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Okay. So now I'm going to draw a spiral on this piece of paper and you tell me when to stop and then we count how many rings we get to and that's the number okay okay so you say stop whenever you're ready stop okay okay so we got one two three four five an excellent mash number okay our wizards are going to now calculate okay are you ready to hear your future yes this will 100% come true. I yes. guarantee it. You are a garbage man who lives in a mansion with your boyfriend, Charles S. Dutton. Yes! And together, together, you have 22 three-legged cats and you live in happiness and joy until the day that you drive a Segway off the side of a cliff <laughs> and die. Which is actually lucky because then you don't have to go to prison for killing Oprah. <gasps> uh, does that sound like a good life? What do you think? Um, it I does. I feel like me and Charles S. Dutton, if you squint. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It doesn't even matter what the end of that sentence is. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Samantha, this was the highlight of probably of my 2024. I know it's only January still, but uh, hard to imagine too. anything topping this. Nothing I'm going to do is going to be better than this. I love you more than I love Megan. <gasps> what? <laughs> we were having a nice time. First of all, Lindy, uh, the NAACP doesn't like you pitting women of color <laughs> against each other like this. You will go to white people jail. I, I deserve I'll it. I'll see you at the underground prison at the Image Awards. <laughs> oh my God. You guys are the best. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, thanks. You can be on it literally anytime. I will be on it anytime. Lindy, I know I say this every week, but this was the greatest episode of Text Me Back of I agree. all time. It was number one. And all the other ones can go to hell. <laughs> I want, I'm going to ask AOW to delete the other episodes. Get rid of them. Nobody go back into our archives and listen to them because they're not <laughs> as good as this one. That's not true. Please go listen to them over and over and over. Let's keep it going. I, You know, there's an argument. Once again, there's an argument to be made for going out on top. And yet, and yet, I live for the accolades. So we must continue. We must continue the podcast. We're going to ride the wave. We're going to ride the wave of success. So next week, we're going to be talking about I'm so sorry. <laughs> Listen, I know we already talked about spooky killer stuff this week, but we're going to be getting even spookier next week when we will be talking about the Supreme Court and some upcoming cases that you might be thinking, what What does that have to do with me? I don't care about herring fishermen. It matters a lot and it affects you greatly. Sometimes the boringest stuff affects you the greatliest. Sorry, J.R. Tolkien said that. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about one of the best stories of uh, 2023 <laughs> that uh, it's just a crime we haven't covered yet, which is the actual, real, true, definitely real aliens 
that were discovered in Peru. And we've seen the photographic evidence of their corpses that are definitely really from outer space and they are little spacemen. And we're going to talk about it. So get excited. so much for listening to text me back if you like the show please tell your best friend about us and rate and review us it helps people find the show text me back is a production of kuow in seattle a proud member of the npr network our editor is Jeannie yandel our senior producer is brandy fullwood our mixer is jason burrows diana bowen makes our video clips and they are delightful i'm not just saying that because we're in them Go enjoy them at Text Me Back Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Our production team includes Michaela Giannotti Boyle, Amelia Peacock, Alicia Villa, Hans Twight, Brendan Sweeney, and Marshall Eisen. Our music is by Chief Aha Mefile J. Oluo. Special thanks to our perfect angel, Isolde Raftery. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher Mays. See you next week. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as, number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you, KUOW listeners, want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast.